This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. This is a podcast for parents or anybody helping raise kids, and I hope you walk away feeling a big hug and a big, big dose of encouragement when you listen to these episodes. Today, my guest is Esther Hubritz. She is the mom of two. She lives in Belgium. We are going worldwide here. She is also the co-founder of Pock Pock Playroom, which is a Toronto-based digital toy company that empowers kids to be creative and think outside the box. This app sounds like a dream come true, like an absolute dream come true. It's designed for kids ages two to six. In this episode, Esther and I talk a lot about parenting as elder millennials um, and the pressure that that brings Uh, There's a lot of perfection talk these days, and uh, I like to think back to how our parents parented us. They just did, and uh, I love having the knowledge to do better, but I also feel like it gives us a lot of pressure, like, oh my gosh, positive parenting this, positive parenting that, and sometimes we just have to follow our gut and like zone out and not even think about what this publication says or this person on Instagram says and just do what our heart and our gut tells us to do. So um, that part of the conversation just kind of came out of nowhere and I really appreciated Esther's insight on that and it just made me feel less alone. Like, okay, I'm not the only one that feels this way and I hope you get that from this conversation as well. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Prep Dish, and you all have got to check out Prep Dish. It is so great. Allison, the founder, she puts together a detailed grocery list, a menu, delicious recipes, and you prep your meals for the week ahead of time so that when it's Tuesday at four o'clock and you're thinking, what am I going to feed my family? It's already not only planned, it's prepped. You save time and you get to eat delicious, healthy menu items. They have four healthy meal plan menus, super fast, gluten-free, paleo, or low carb. Um, My family is vegetarian, and a lot of the recipes that have like chicken or something like that, we just substitute tofu. We love tofu here. So you can make it unique for your family, and I think once you try this, you won't go back. And the cool thing is, is, Allison, the founder, she is giving you a free, absolutely free two-week trial. Go to PrepDish.com slash Lindsay. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. PrepDish.com slash Lindsay. And that'll get you a free two-week trial to test it out. See if you like it. Go all in, friends. Go all in and you'll be hooked. All right. If you're enjoying this podcast, share it with a friend on social media or your text message group. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And then also leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And just one more thing, if you want to support this podcast, you listen every week and you love it, you can go support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. And uh, I actually record episodes with my husband, Glenn, over there as well. That's patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine. 
All right, friends, I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Esther. All right. Well, today on Why Is Everyone Yelling? We have Esther Hubrex on the show. Welcome to the show, Esther. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on the show. You, What time is it where you are? You're calling in from really far away from me. I'm in Belgium, so it's uh, it's 6.30 right now. We had an early dinner, and I am um, currently hiding out in my bedroom far away from my kids who are like in their post-dinner craze right now. So I'm just like far away, safely tucked behind all the doors. No one's going to bother me. All right. So this is always a thing when people are far away, like figuring out time zones and when we can actually record. How do you feel in general about doing things in the evening? I'm very used to it, actually. Like um, the team that I work with on PacPac are all uh, located in, in Toronto, Canada. So um, we are very used to doing things with uh, with different time zones. Um, this usually gives me very quiet mornings to just like work without all of the notifications popping up and people needing me. And then when it's my afternoon, people start to come into work, get ready, start asking things from me so I can really compartmentalize my day in like actual productive work and then answering questions. And then it's dinner time and, and kids time. And then I'm not available anywhere. That's just like, that's my private family time. And then when it's necessary, I will work after 9 PM and do some meetings or some brainstorms or just like talk to people in general. But I also try not to do that every night just because I want to also have some time with my husband where it's not work time. Totally. Totally. I found that. How old are your kids? They are uh, six and a half and almost five. We are in that stage. He is His birthday is in about a month. And we are now in that phase where like he's, how long is my birthday, mom? Uh. When, when, when is my birthday? When am I, can I, al- can I say that I'm already five? When, when, <laughs> when can I say that? That's funny. My third is about to turn six in October and, um, same thing. I'm like, listen, on Saturday, you can start getting really excited for your birthday because it's officially <laughs> your birthday month. The birthday month. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing for here, here for sure as well. It's just like, they're, they're very excited about it. And, and I get that. I used to be the same way when I was little. Yeah, I used to kind of like not make a big deal about birthdays. And I think it's because my my mom never made a huge deal and definitely never made a big deal about her own birthdays. But the older I get, and especially as I approach 40 next year, I'm like, oh, no, we're making a big deal about every birthday. It's it's going to be my thing now. And it's it's interesting because my husband comes from a family where birthdays were a very big deal. And when we first got married, I was like, why is everybody like make such a big deal about their birthdays? But now That's I get so it. It's like you're one day. Go all in. Yeah, it's like it's your special day. Like for me, the the my mom always didn't really like make such a like the family came over. It wasn't like a giant fuss about it. But there are like a few birthdays in particular where I was still like quite young, where my mom had like secretly decorated my entire room while I was sleeping, and these or like decorated like the living room where the party was being held or something. And these memories memories are still so vivid to me and like the joy and the surprise that I felt that I tried to recreate that feeling for my own sons when they wake up so like the night before we'll always be getting ready like hanging all the garlands and hanging the bun things and making like all of the the helium balloons and stuff and I, I try to make them feel really special on their special day 
just because it, I, I remember how special these memories are to me. So I try to do that for them. I'm going to I'm going to start making it even bigger. I'm going to start doing that. Um, you know, when my first son with my first son, I like made all of his birthday cakes until I think he was like five. And I think I've maybe made two other cakes for my other kids. Everything else has been <laughs> yeah, store bought. Like, that's, that's standard. Like the, the oldest kid always gets like the most <laughs> special stuff. And, and like they have like the full on memory albums with all of the pictures in there. And the second kid and the third kid are lucky if they get like a sonogram that we still kept from when they were in there. It's so true. I do not have baby books for my third and fourth kids. And I have a half made one for my second. And I think my first one is is totally full. And they, you know what, though, too? They love looking at pictures on, on my phone from when they were babies. Yes. Oh, my God. And all of the videos. Like, our family did not have a video recorder. Like, my grandma had one. And we only saw these tapes again, like, like two years ago and there's like one of me in ballet class when I was six and it's so funny seeing these videos of myself now because I'm I, now I can see like oh my oldest does look like me as well and not just like the spitting image of his father which is very unfair because like hello I made him for nine months why does he look like the other guy um but like the our kids are growing up in such a different age where like they have this footage and photos and videos and their voices recorded every single moment of their lives and live somewhere in the cloud. And I'm not going to comment on where like that's a good thing or a bad thing because like it's the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. But I still think it's so different from how we grew up versus like how, how they are growing up now. Yeah. You know, that really makes me want to have my parents like dig up old home videos because we don't have anything like what we have now of our kids, right? We have everything recorded. Um, but for our kids to be able to see us on video when we were young, like that would be so cool for them to see. And my kids have definitely never seen that. I mean, they've seen like hard copy pictures of me as a little girl, but not me singing and dancing in the living room with my sisters. Yeah, and that's so different because like I I don't know what my voice sounded like when I was a little girl. Like like I said, like I don't have any video except for like one or two tapes that live with my grandma and I have like this very obscure little video camera that I like they only play on that camera and they don't even fit in like the regular VHS tape recorders anymore, which we also don't I even know. have anymore. So it's all it's all gone and like that kinda makes me sad. But on the other hand, like there's then the kids still have some mystery left about their mom. So yeah. maybe that's also a good thing. It kind of makes me sad too. My mom's really good about, um, she still prints pictures and puts them in little albums and will like change out the pictures and like have them, you know, the album in her living room. And the kids love looking through that. And I'm like, I need to do that. What is that app that um, you can just like, I think you can just like print feeds from your Instagram. Oh yeah, I think like that. Like, I, I know that we also have that in Europe, but I do feel like the most popular one is just in the United States and not necessarily in Europe because, like, it's often, like, two, two different um, demographics. Yeah. Um, I haven't done that. Like, I usually will, like, go... Like, I love photography, so I, I tend to, like, when I make albums of my kids, of like, I, I always do, like, a year-round album mm -hmm. at the end of the year, which I then hand out as Christmas presents for the grandparents, so I don't have to think of other presents yeah it's just like check done whatever done. I can think of all of the other ones um and I will usually just like hand pick and combine because like at this point there are so many pictures on my iPhone that like if I printed them all I would need a library probably what are you at I think I have like 48,000 pictures on my phone 
I am probably quite similar. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, bad. it's. Uh, I, I used to take more when they were babies. Now they are at like, at six and a half and, and almost five. They are at that stage where like, mom, don't take any pictures yeah. of me. And I'm like, but why? Yeah, I want. I want to. I want to remember. Please let me film you. What is school like over in Belgium? Um, my oldest just started. Um, like our equivalent of either kindergarten or first grade. I like the one where they learn to read and to write. So mm-hmm. like they only start that in the year they turn six. Okay. Um, so that's very new and very exciting for us. It's like now we have to deal with homework. Like when I became a parent, like I I knew a little bit about newborns. I knew a little bit about toddlers, but I never even considered the fact that they would be growing up beyond the toddler phase yeah. and entering school years. I was like, I knew that, but I also did not know that. And I do not know like what to do there. They're like now these own little, they are their own little person. They have their own, feelings and they want to look cool in school and I don't get to pick their outfits anymore and that bugs me because everything they pick is like with with all of the the superheroes on there and uh-huh. I don't like that. <laughs> like it's so tacky. It's so tacky. Yeah. So, like we are it, it's it's a different world. We are managing friendships and we are managing like birthday parties with friends coming over and it's a whole new world for us but that like both them and both us are dealing with that and it comes with like the the usual I'm not going to say tantrums or meltdowns, but it has its hard moments where like they come home from school. They have been so good all day following the totally. rules, listening to the teachers, like taking into account all of these different opinions of their other students, of their friends, trying not to like start or enter any fights, stuff like that. And then they come home and they let it all go in their safe space. And that's not always fun for us, but it's on the other hand, nice to know that we are their safe space where they can let all of that stuff go. Oh, that's totally, totally, totally. I I did not understand that when my oldest was in kindergarten. I like I had a really hard time that first year of my oldest being in school because I didn't understand that. Like, and I'm like, how do I receive this? What do I need to do when I? You know what I mean? Um, and it's so interesting if I look at all my kids because my oldest has been like the teachers love them, like always doing everything to please, like, you know, and then my second and my third, like I've had multiple calls from the teacher on both of them. And so they don't have that release thing when they get home as much because they're not as buttoned up as my oldest at school. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're not holding anything in. They're kind of just like <laughs> be doing what they it do. all go. Yeah. School. All day, which I'm sorry, do is their teachers. Um, but it's just always been funny. Yeah, but the teacher should also know that like not every kid is like one um like a big mantra in our household has always been we are not robots. And that can encompass so many things, but one of them is that like we have emotions where robots don't and like we deal with our emotions differently on different days. Like we don't always respond to certain situations in the same way. That goes for them, but that also goes for us. So sometimes I will approach their meltdown with lots of gentle parenting and sometimes I will just be like I cannot deal with this just go to your room and and have a rage there and come back when you're done and that's also fine I try to not feel too guilty about that because in these days to be honest it is so hard to be a parent and you feel like you have to do everything right and like all of the science is there that backs it up like gentle parenting and be kind mm-hmm. and no punishing don't send them away Uh, give them hugs when they have tantrums and all of that. And 
that's all placed on our shoulders yes. as millennials and the next generation of parents to like, okay, you know how to do it right. You know how to parent right and how not to screw up your kids and how to make sure that they grow up to be fully functioning adults without trauma, without any backpack whatsoever. Dismantle the patriarchy while you're at it. Also fight climate change, all of that stuff. And parents just have to like deal with that and just do it. And it is so hard to listen to all of these voices. So at, at this point, I'm just like tuning 90% of it out and just trying to do what feels right for me in my parenting in that moment. Gosh, that hits home. That has, has to hit home to so many listeners too. Um, you know, I love that you said that because one one of my biggest like pauses with starting this podcast is that there is so much noise everywhere. That's true. Telling you everywhere. do this, do that. You have to parent this way. Like if you don't want to mess up your kids, all the things. And I was like, I don't want to be one more voice like saying you got to do it this way or that way. Exactly. Yeah. It's so hard. And like and social media doesn't help there because no one like up until like a while ago, no one was showing like the hard bits. Everyone's just showing like their perfectly curated homes with all of the neat baskets, with all of the perfect toys neatly tucked away, no messes everywhere. The kids quietly playing and and making and the parents making sure that everything was like picture perfect for everything. And then like people started sharing their struggles. But at the same time, also telling parents, like, here's how I, how I dealt with that. Yes. And, and, and telling them, like, this is a solution maybe for you. But at this point, like, social media is either filled with picture-perfect parents or these are solutions for you. And there are so many different solutions that, like, we still don't know which way is correct. That said, I do feel like we're all overthinking it a lot. Totally. <laughs> I feel like our parents did not deal with that. And, like, all of the generations before, they just parented. Yeah, my mom is always saying that to me. She does also say, because she was so young, um, I would do things so differently now, but not saying that in a way like I would be like ingesting all this stuff. It's just like from her years of life experience, you know? Yeah, but that's not fair. Like we, we are still working up to that experience. Yeah, totally. It's always easy to say like 2020 hindsight, whatever. Yeah, like for sure. Yeah, I think that this is so this is so good that you brought this up because it's like sometimes honestly there's not an answer and like it's just going to be hard right now. Like there's yeah, not exactly. always an answer. There's not always a band-aid. There's not always something that's going to like revolutionize the season. It's like your kid might have really crazy hormone situation going on right now and like things are just hard. And I think that if we can like put that out there like this might just be really hard right now. Not that you can't yeah. give people tools, but like knowing that there isn't always going to be an easy answer. No. For me, the bottom line is like what I always refer back to for myself personally is like how am I showing, showing up with love towards them? And sometimes that is with very extrinsic love towards them. And sometimes that is removing myself from the equation and like doing something for myself and then I can come back with love again for them um and just loving on them is a very like it's a very universal thing and I feel like all of the parenting styles out there kind of just boil down to that simple fact that like try to love your kids as best as you can but like I saw this graph the other day it was like showing up your best is not always like looking the same way it's not always like showing up at 100 percent. sometimes showing up 
at like your best is only at 40%. And that's also fine. If that's your best for that day, then that's what you're dealing with. And then your family can also respond to that. And you as a mom or as a parent, you also have needs. So that's people should also take that into account. Totally. A lot of people have these accounts like positive parenting accounts because they truly want to help people. But it just it just gets overwhelming. Yeah, it has helped me. I do feel that some things really resonate with me and stuck with me and that I can refer back to if things get hard. Yeah. But I do not take them for gospel. I just feel like, yes, this resonates with me in this moment with dealing with my six year old who's having a meltdown for this or that reason. But it doesn't always work that way. And I don't want to think of them as a script where like, okay, I'm like, my my kid is having a meltdown. Follow these steps to fix it again. Because that's how we were raised. We were, as a generation, raised with the thought of like, go to school, go to college or university, uh, find a boyfriend, get married or get not married. Don't get married. Like, just be boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever. Have kids, get a job and like, do these steps and then you will succeed in life and we as a as a generation almost really have that feeling of on the one hand of that moldability of life of being able to do the exact steps and to shape life the exact way that you want it and also apply that to our kids and make them in the perfect kid and a perfect adult and then on the other hand there's so much stuff happening all around us that we do not have control over like climate change like capitalism patriarchy whatever that in order to feel some control in our life we overexert our control over all of these other things in our life that we feel we have control over like how we raise our kids how we dress what our jobs are looking like how our marriage is supposed to look like and all of that stuff as a way of coping with all the craziness in the world out there that we can't fix but that's also like not a healthy way to cope and I'm sure that like all of our kids, like the, the next generation will grow up with like, here's what what like the millennials and Gen Z did wrong as parents. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we will be hearing like podcasts 20, 30 years from now with like people yammering about like, this is what generation millennial and generation Z did wrong in parenting. We'll be on those podcasts talking about what we would have done different. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be on the defense. We'll be like, no, because like, Gentle parenting said this, this, and this, and like this, what we had to do. Hey, everybody, I want to let you know about Hello Skincare. They have a product called Lash Therapy that I have been using on my eyelashes for uh, probably 18 months now, and I, I'm never going back. It is so good, it grows your lashes super long and thick. And I can't tell you how many comments I get on my eyelashes. Just last weekend, I was in Chicago at the Chicago Marathon Expo. And one of the gals there was like, I'm sorry, but are those your real eyelashes? I never believed in products like this before. And I'm fully all in. The lash therapy naturally amplifies the appearance of lash length and fullness. And um, yeah, I'm never, ever, ever going back. So they also have a C Juvenate Super Serum and Time Machine Super Serum. I put the vitamin C on my face in the morning and the Time Machine on my face at night. But the product I will not quit talking about is that Lash Therapy. And you all can save when you go to helloskincare.com and use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-H-2-0. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Give it a good 30 days and you'll be blown away. All right, friends, back to the show. 
Um, well, this is a great time to bring up Pock Pock Playroom because I think that, you know, one of the big things with millennial parenting is the screen time thing, right? And there's like two sides to it. Like there's the people that are like anti-screen time. And then there's the people that have their kids in front of a screen a whole lot. And then there's people in the middle there. But regardless, I think a lot of people have a lot of guilt around screen time. And so you created something that is, it's really, I mean, it's guilt-free screen time, I think. But you you tell us. I hope so. Tell us what it is. I would love to. So Pock Pock Playroom is an app for kids aged two to six, and it's completely based around the concept of open-ended play. So we think of it more as a digital toy or a digital playroom full of toys as opposed to a game or an app for mm. kids. And what I like the difference there is that like a game is very um yeah gamified like it has levels to beat it has points to score it has even the more educational ones are like solve this equation and then you get to the next level and there's like a round of applause for your kids and there's a unicorn parting rainbows and like there's so (laughs) much stuff going on just like reward your kid to keep on playing Mm. whereas in pak pak playroom it is completely up to the child what they do there the app does like just provides them with tools to play and there is no right or wrong. There are no um, levels to beat. There are no points to score. There's nothing except for what the child wants to do to keep them playing. Um, and we feel that that makes for a very interesting form of screen time because kids will naturally, as be- being very curious beings, will want to continue playing just because they are so motivated by like, what they are doing in the app and not because the app tells it like now you get to go to the next Mm -hmm. level this makes for very creative play this makes for very imaginative storytelling play they get to think outside of the box they it's it's a very um interesting concept to watch kids just like go out there and exploring in a digital world um we originally thought of the app it was my husband and I because like our boys back then were like our oldest was two or about to turn two and our youngest was a newborn which is always a very interesting time for young parents so we felt like yeah we we can give our our youngest a little bit of screen time uh, he was our uh, our oldest not the youngest that was a newborn um so we were looking on the app store he was already like watching some tv uh but we were looking on the app store for something that was not addictive that was not too overstimulating that we as parents could like listen to and not feel annoyed with mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't really out there either it was like all super gamified and addictive and like with menus where he would get stuck and it was complicated and he didn't get it or it was already like the abcs and the one two threes like the very pedagogical style learning apps and he was like, he wasn't, he was about to turn two. So he was way too young to even understand anything that was going on there. So my husband and I just decided to, on the side as a small little hobby project, to just like try and make that um, just ourselves, like a little app for kids, just for our own kid was nothing to like be exposed to the world whatsoever. <laughs> um and it was like this little idea of like our, our oldest really loved like these look and search books at the time. So like there was like lots of stuff going on at the page and we would be like, where's the cow? Where's the fire truck? Where's the the pony? I don't know. And he would like um, like point them out and he would like make the sounds and the noises. And it was so funny and so cute. So we felt like, what if we make that digitally 
and like make these cute soft sounds so it wasn't annoying. It was just like that was the idea. And at that time, we were working at a small indie game studio company. Um, it was called Snowman. We were in Belgium. Um, Snowman Studio was in Toronto. And when my husband was invited to go to the like a games conference with them, um, he showed them our super janky prototype. And one of the guys' sister also happened to be in that room. Uh, that was Melissa Cash. And we were... Um, she was there to help with the launch of uh, a game that they were launching. And she also saw what we were working on, like the janky little fuck fuck prototype. And they were also like struck with that because it like it really sparked that whole conversation on like how education hadn't changed for a hundred years, how they were still like stuck in this repetitive um, pedagogical style learning and how like digital toys or digital apps could really change something with that and they decided to like we decided to all work together and really build out this app and think of way more toys so melissa flew to belgium a year later we were sitting on our living room floor just like dreaming up what pak pak could be and we decided on like these couple of pillars so to speak of like it had to be fully language less mm. yes so that anybody language. can use it yeah so it would be very international um, it had to be very creative or like stimulating creativity. It had to be very imaginative and it had to be very open-ended. We didn't want any right or wrong stuff happening because we felt very strongly that once you start attaching levels or points of score to an app or to a game, that's when kids start being like, oh no, but mom, I want to one collect more. one more coin. I want to beat one more level. And that's when like the addiction starts because like it's the app always like, giving you these little dopamine hits as opposed to like you doing that for yourself totally uh, so like these were like the, the 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 core ideas that we kind of base it on and right now it's like it's a really wonderful app we keep expanding it so right now it has about like 12 or 13 toys in there and every i would say six to eight weeks we launch a new toy or an update to an existing toy so like it keeps growing. We have all kinds of fun stuff in there, but like my most favorite one ever has to be our town toy, which is very similar to what we all grew up with. Like we all had these rugs in our playroom with like the little streets on there. And you oh, can like drive yeah. and build little houses and uh -huh. put the animals on there. We just made that, but digital and kids can like drive around the cars fun. and like there's all kinds of funny stuff happening. And it's very funny to see how kids approach that in, all kinds of different ways so like there's on the surface level it just seems like they're playing with cars but in reality they are also using their imagination imagination using their creativity um, and also problem solving so like when a car is in the way and they want to pass that do they move the car back do they yeah. go the other way are they looking for like a different solution so even within how they are playing there's so much learning going on and that's because like play is the best way to learn for kids and for adults, any age, honestly. Like if it's fun and if we are intrinsically motivated to want to know more and to keep exploring, that's how we as animals learn best. Yeah, that's so good. Um, you know, I, I have spent so many years like refusing to let my kids have iPads, like sitting in doctor's offices, sitting, you know, wherever we need to go with them just losing their minds because like, they're, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, we are not doing screens. You can sit in a waiting room without it. 
But I think if I had a kid playing on this, I wouldn't feel so guilty. Now, me dealing with caring about the judgment of others, like, oh, of course she's sitting there with her kids on screens. That's a whole nother like me thing, you know? Um, (laughs) I get that. I get that. But yeah, I mean, it's essentially, and, and like, here's the thing, like, the iPads, the computers are coming. I mean, that's yeah, how they're not going anywhere. That's how we live. It's interesting to think about uh, about like that. It's like it's not going anywhere. And we always reason that if we want our kids to grow up with like a healthy screen time relationship, like that was our personal opinion as friends. Yeah. If we want them to grow up with a healthy relationship, we wouldn't just want to give them their first phone or computer when they are turn 18 or 21 and yeah. just release them out into the wild. Like we want to, we want them to have like healthy boundaries with that. No one to stop, no one to take a break. Um, and also set like high standards for them. And through Pak Pak, we hope to do that because our kids also play with other apps or they have played but they always keep coming back to Pak Pak because with the other apps they're always like this is complicated mom what, what do I have to do here mom I'm stuck can you help me mom this is looking weird there's like always different kinds of things going on where they don't under- understand what's going on and in Pak Pak they never get stuck because they like it is a very simple concept like you have what we call the playroom and it just has all of these different little round symbols we call them pucks because it is still like mostly a Canadian app and the puck is just there like okay. it's a thing. And you just like you tap one of the pucks, it will take you to a toy. The the, the the playroom puck is safely tucked away into a corner. You can play. And otherwise there are no there's no play button. There are no menus. There are no rules that you have to read of like what do you need to do there because you there's no way of failing something. There's also no things like start over or go back to this starting point or whatever. It's always, it's as simple as going into your playroom, picking up a shelf, uh, not a shelf, a toy from the shelf and then playing with it and then doing something else and going back and forth. That's it's we, we really wanted to mimic these natural play patterns that happen on your living room floor but in an app for those times we never intend for Pak Pak to like fully replace your real life playroom like sure. physical play for children is so important and we would never want to replace that but for all these times where either you just need a break for yourself or you need a bit of peace and quiet in your house because you're having a meeting or you're at the restaurant or the doctor's office or on the airplane or on the train or wherever you need a little bit of like screen time Pak Pak is there to help you manage that. So it's for kids ages two to six. I'm super curious now that your kids are like getting to the ages where they're like going to be phasing out of, you know, the age it's designed for. Like, what are what are your thoughts on that for that like next age group it's for your kids? Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, right now they are, um, my youngest still loves playing with it. My oldest is like, starting to age out but i know that like we are working on some really fun toys that he will not be able to pass up so like i'm sure that he will be playing for a little while longer um but aside from that we are for example venturing into minecraft territory um it is played together with their dad so they aren't allowed to like fully play that by themselves yet just because like there's lots of reading involved it's complicated i don't want like if they play together with their father, then like there's some kind of control as to like what they are doing and kind of like helping them guide them through the game. But it still feels like open ended and sandbox enough, so to speak, to like yeah 
have them like it's it's a creative outlet uh it kind of feels like legos but digitally still i do already feel like it is more addictive oh than for what sure fuck, fuck is for me just because like it's always like oh like i just like i want to mine a little bit longer oh i just need to build this house i just want to like wait one more day like it's there's something different about it that i still don't really have like a good answer to as to like what uh, what we want to do with that um but it's only been like a few days, so yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens there. My boys love Minecraft. They they love playing Minecraft. Um, yeah, you know, I have an episode actually on this podcast with Ash Brandon about. Um, oh, I love I love them. Oh, okay, they're amazing. Okay, perfect. So yeah, they talk about how you can like video games can be super healthy, and there's like you know, it's, it's setting expectations and creating boundaries, but also showing your kid that you're interested in what they're interested in. And, you know, I also just had a conversation with Cara Forney, who she's the founder of the bump. And she was like, her boys just graduated. Um, one just, just graduated high school and the others, um, closing out college, I think. But she's like, my boys played so many video games, one of them in particular. And like, I probably didn't have a handle on it. Like I, I wanted to, but like, he's fine. He's like getting his first job and he's exactly. totally normally socialized. And he just really loved, he loved it. He loved it. Like one of my kids might love soccer. Like it was a passion for him. Yeah. And like, if it, it was soccer, it wouldn't be any different. Like we wouldn't, we wouldn't feel weird about it if they were like constantly talking about soccer. So like, it is definitely something that like, I, I didn't grow up with video games, so like I was a kid and I was I was still playing with Barbie dolls when I was 14 and the like I can very vividly remember still the days I kind of aged out of that where I really wanted to like I still had that urge to play with Barbie dolls or with whatever like any of these any of these toys with my sister who was younger and she was so excited that like oh finally like it's been months since we played together like finally she wants to play again and I was playing with the doll and I was like I kind of like had an out-of-body experience where it's like, this does not feel right for me anymore. And I really went through like a mourning period because I wasn't able to like get into that mindset anymore. Uh-huh. So like I, I was a very toy-heavy child. Whereas my husband was very video game-minded. Like he grew up with video games. He had an older brother and sister who played on all of the, like the old-school Nintendo uh, consoles and everything. And he really grew up with that. And it also does not feel right for me to now deprive him of sharing that bond or like or building that bond with his sons and playing these video games with them just because i did not because i'm not used to that like that's my problem not there so it is a very fun way for them to bond over something and they talk it's all they talk about and they're like they think of like getting books and making plans of what they're building and it's such a, a cute bonding experience and i'm not yet a part of that but i hope to be just because it gives me like more like, I want to know, like, like Ash Brandon said, like, I want to know what they are involved with and yes. what they are, you know, what excites them. And if I, if I lock myself out of that world completely, I, I still want to have that bond with them and, and know what they are up to when they are teens. So like, I have to start building that now because otherwise it won't be there in the future. It's what I'm worried about. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, with the video game thing, like I was saying how maybe some kids video games are their interest and not so much soccer. I think my biggest fear with that is like. I want to make sure my kids are outside moving their bodies because being outside is such a gift. And I, I think if we don't expose our kids to that super regularly, like they're going to miss it 
or they might miss it and they might not realize it. Um, and I just want to, I want them to have active lives where they're outside. So that's, I think more than even the addiction of wanting to be on the video games all the time, it's that I want to make sure they don't miss out on like being out in the world, experiencing like face-to-face real life connection with people and nature. Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. I think like for me right now, like Minecraft's all they talk about. And like, I, I really like that for them. But as soon as the, like the worry that I have right now is that like, as soon as that's turned off, then they just like, they sprawl out on the living room floor. And I'm like, what are you doing? Just like Go outside. The, play, the playroom is right there. The, yeah. the, the yard is right there. Just do something else. And they're like, but everything is so boring. Ah. It's like, like if like you are too young to be thinking about like one thing constantly yes just go do something else yes so like there are like the boundaries are like they have to like play with everything a little bit equally go outside equally as like the time they spend on their devices so to speak so like the only thing they don't have a limit on is pock pock yeah (laughs) like we need them they are our testers yeah um but also just because i feel like Puck Puck for me obviously is different from like all of the other screen time they get. So there were never any real rules about that. And sometimes I would play for two hours at a time, but I could see them thinking and learning. Yeah. And I just have to like apply that same mindset to, to Minecraft at some point, just not yet. Hey friends, one more quick break here to thank Gooder for supporting this podcast. Gooder has the most functional, fashionable, and uh, affordable and also durable sunglasses out there. You can get really fun, crazy styles as well as super classic aviator styles. This is the sunglass of choice. I wear Gooder shades everywhere I go. I actually have some really bright, fun yellow ones that I wore in my race this past weekend, and that was really fun. Go to Gooder.com and use the code Lindsay15, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Yeah, and I think it's kind of like what you were saying earlier, like sometimes your 100% is right here. Sometimes your 100% is like what you feel like is 40%. And I think that that can be the same with um, like screen time and stuff like that because there are days where I am on it. And then there are days where it's like, I know that my kid is at the neighbor's house and they have been playing video games for three hours. I know that if he's over there, that is what they're doing because their mom is working and she's letting them play video games, but I'm getting a break. And it's, it's like, I, I might, I might have the repercussions of that, like with a bad attitude or a cranky kid when he gets home. But like, I have to evaluate that day to day and think, is this a day that I'm going to let that fly? Because I need the, I need the peace, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like it's parenting in the end is always about making compromises about literally everything. You're like constantly weighing all of the options against each other. Like if them, if I give them a cookie now before dinner, I know it will spoil their dinner, but it will let me make dinner in yes. peace without all of the whining. Um, <laughs> if I let them go outside without a jacket, I know they will need to come back inside because they're cold. Like it's parenting is full of compromises constantly. And it's a very tiresome battle in your mind that plays constantly. And you're like constantly thinking about every single thing and like how that's going to play out later in the day. <laughs> totally. Um, but in the same way, like we can use 
Puck Puck or screen time in general as like a healthy way for us to make these compromises and think of like, will this be good for me now? Yes. Will it be not so good for me later? Yes. But like, am I willing to make that compromise? Yes. Uh, well, I, I recommend everybody going and listening to the Ash Brandon episode since we've, you know, kind of talked about that so much today. If you if you're new to the podcast and you haven't listened to that yet, we will link it in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Um, this has been wonderful. I hope that parents with kids that are babies, toddlers up to six go download your app because I, I just think it 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 can be a godsend to you and to your kids. I hope so. Because that's the thing. It's like when you give your three-year-old a screen, what you want is a break. And what you want also is them to not need you to like help with things and also to know they're yeah, doing then, like, something. The, the break doesn't make any sense anymore. Yeah. If they constantly have to help them. And they're they're truly so. playing. Like that's, it's so great. It's so great. Um, and kudos to you for like going all in and making it happen because having a big dream can be really scary and to go all in on something can be terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. I love it so much, but it's also so terrifying. Yeah. Um, okay, so people can find Pock Pock on Instagram, Pock Pock Playroom. Is that what the Instagram is? The Instagram is um the handle is uh play pock pock. Play pock pock. It's P O K P O K. Um all right, so we always wrap up here with end of podcast questions and I got to say, I've just loved this conversation with you. You just, I never know what, you know, what, where the conversation is going to go with other parents on this podcast and the place that you took it with really giving yourself grace and compromise and, and handling motherhood, parenthood in this day and age has resonated with me a lot. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I was, I was, I was very glad to be here. It was really fun. Um, what is something professionally or personally that you haven't done yet that you'd like to do Ooh, this is so, such a fun question i have so many dreams the ultimate dream is to really make make pock pock like a very trusted kids brand that like goes up to like age 10 12 mm. maybe like we've heard so much about like how the the mom and dad or the parents in general um will keep playing pock pock after their kids went to sleep just because they find it so calming so just like mm. in the same way that Lego is such a trusted brand and people know they hear Lego and they're like, yes, this is something that's good that everyone enjoys, that is healthy for my child, that's that's creative, that lets them like experiment and learn. And everyone knows intrinsically how educational it is for kids to, and, and people to be playing around with that. I hope that someday we can take the Pak Pak brand just as high. That would be awesome. You can do it. I hope so. Uh, what's the best, most recent book you've read? The most recent book, uh, <laughs> coincidentally, happens to be uh, To Have and to Hold by Molly Millwood, PhD, which I would very, very highly recommend to all of your listeners because it's coincidentally very um, tied in with everything we've been talking about today. Oh, okay, um, great. It is about like the the modern dilemma between motherhood and marriage and like how we are all handling that. It's It's very interesting and I'm only like in one fifth of the book it was recommended to me by my sister but like she was like esther with every single page you're going to be nodding and going like yes oh my god yes this resonates with me so hard and it's true oh i have to get that book who's the I author uh, molly millwood okay cool 
Now, we're going to have to travel far probably to do this, but do you have a place or a vacation spot or an adventure that you and your kids and your husband have taken that you recommend? Um, well, come to Belgium. Antwerp <laughs> is always really nice. <laughs> I would uh, like if it's in Europe, I would for sure recommend Antwerp just because like it's a very it's a beautiful city. It feels like Paris but smaller and more manageable because you can walk from one side to the other in half an hour. It's the second largest city in Belgium okay. next to Brussels, okay. which some people have called a hellhole, which it's not. <laughs> but Antwerp is is nicer. It's very it's it has a beautiful art scene. It is very historical. It is near a river. It has amazing restaurants. It's just a, like it's where I grew up and and like right now I live way out in the countryside, about two hundred kilometers from my family. But whenever I come back to Antwerp, I always feel like home. So like they will here they will never be able to like really take the city girl out of me. Yeah, I love that. Okay, good to know. Good to know. I was just thinking I I'm not a good traveler. I get a lot of travel anxiety, but I was just thinking like my youngest is going to be 5 next summer. I'm like we we need to do a big trip and like go somewhere like real, like go somewhere different, not just the beach, you know, down the drive down the street. So um, I, I'm trying to think of like maybe once every three years we can do like an international trip or something like that. Um, <laughs> well, like everyone always like Europe, honestly, is really beautiful. Like Paris is really fun. Berlin is an amazing city. Rome, like everything in Italy, obviously is beautiful. Spain is like, there's so many, like the classics are beautiful, but then cities like Antwerp are really underrated. Whereas like they bring all of that same beautiful cultural European vibes, but way less touristy and yeah. way less busy and expensive. So, uh, plus you get like the best fries in the world because Belgium is the original French fry country. Um, last question here. What is your last message to leave with our audience today? Um, it is to just trust your gut and do your thing I think like that's a very random last message but it's just like it is what always guides me through the day just like based on however I feel that's what helps me get through the day or thrive throughout the day so like it it's just show up your best and sometimes it looks 100% and sometimes it looks just like 40 so that's great thank you so much Esther thank you it was very very nice to be here All right, everybody, if you all want to learn more about Esther and what she's doing at Pock Pock Play, you can find Pock Pock Play on Instagram. They are Play Pock Pock. You can find me personally on Instagram. I'm lindsayhines626. You can find this podcast on Instagram. Why is everyone yelling? I would love to connect with you. And if you want to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash lindsayhines. All right, friends, hope you're having a great day and we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?